Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The South Carolina women are the nation's only undefeated D1 team. They highlight our ESPN Thursday basketball doubleheader scoring off against the Lady Vols in Knoxville. Coverage begins tonight at 7 Eastern. Also tonight, Caitlin Clark is eight points away from breaking the NCAA women's scoring record as Iowa takes on Michigan. In the latest episode of the ESPN Plus original series, Sue's Places, Clark talks with Sue about how her mentality has fueled her rise both on and off the courts. And obviously our fans, they go crazy whenever we're making long threes, which probably just urges me to continue to shoot them. I feel like at times now our crowd especially knows, like, like they can see it, it in my eyes when yeah. I'm crossing half court, like, there's no way she's passing the ball, like, this is going up kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I think it's just like my confidence is just kind of built up over my college career. And now it's just something that's a part of my game. And, you know, it wouldn't really be the same if I didn't have that. More of Sue's conversation with Caitlin Clark. Check out episode three of Sue's Places, streaming now on ESPN+. And with that, we welcome you back to Get Up. We are live from the Seaport. We're brought to you by Chase D. Wood is here. Huge squad put together today. Tons to get to. Well, let's begin with the game of the night last night. The Warriors and the Clippers. Warriors come in on a hot streak. The Clippers right now looking like they may be the best team in the entire NBA. Three minutes left in the third. Warriors are up by 10. Gary Payton with a nice save. Steph Curry knocking down the three. He's the first player ever with seven threes in four straight games. Warriors an 11-point lead to the end of the third. Early in the fourth quarter, though, this is where it turns. You're going to see a moment here between Mason Plumley and Brandon Pajemski. And Plumley with a bunch of hacks here. He ultimately is going to be given a flagrant one. So Draymond and Paul George get into it. At the end of it all, Tyron Lue is ejected. And as I show it to you again here, Plumley does seem to just be sort of hacking away. There's Tyron Lue getting thrown out of the game. Uh, and, and then here, here's what all the fuss was about. That's one, that's two hacks there. It's a bit much. One way or another, the Clippers then get fired up from that point forward. Five minutes left in the fourth. Clippers have a one-point lead. Steph will knock down his ninth three of the game. He continues to be ridiculous. 41 points, giving the Warriors their last lead because then the Clippers would take over Norman Powell at 12 points in the fourth quarter, 21 for the game. Here he'll knock down another three. The Clippers win it by five. Harden said the ejection really turned things around. Meanwhile, on the other side, Steph Curry with this honest assessment. Very average. Very average doesn't get it done in this league, so you got to, you know, we need to make a run, hit a stride that you win every game here and steal someone on the road. But we've been very average so far, so got to regain that home court fear that we've you know, been accustomed to in the past. As we go to the break, the Warriors are the literal definition of average. They're 26 and 26. Yesterday was the sixth game they've lost this year after leading by as many as 15. You look at the numbers there, they're five and a half games behind the Pelican for the sixth seed, which of course would avoid the play-in. We'll have much more on them and the Lakers coming up 
later in this program. In the meantime, let's play a game of fact or fiction NFL QB edition. D-Wood, here we go. Justin Fields, if I said he would make the Falcons Super Bowl contenders, is that fact or fiction? Yeah, I'm going to go fiction. I know we talk about the, all the weapons and uh, down in Atlanta, uh, and, and you add Justin Fields to you know how dynamic it is. But listen, you talk about all the teams that's in the NFC right now: the Detroit, you know, Detroit Lions, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, the Green Bay Packers are coming. I, I just don't, I don't know if adding Justin Fields is going to get them over the teams that I just named. Let me go to Russell Wilson, Tim. You talked about him earlier. If I said that putting him on the Steelers would make them Super Bowl contenders, is that fact or fiction? That's fiction for me. I, I'm not – I don't think I'm seeing what everybody else is seeing in Russell Wilson, that he's like this difference maker now. He's played a long time. He's certainly on the, the backside of things, maybe pretty far down the backside of things. And I just don't know that he's the leader that that type of team needs. You're saying he's not on the back nine. He's more like on 17T, something like that. Uh, Harry, how about Dak Prescott? If I said he should want out of Dallas, would that be fact or fiction? I'm going to go fact. Sometimes you don't know what you have until it's gone and you start missing it. But let me give a major shout-out to his agent, Todd Franz, for putting that no-trade clause and also you couldn't be franchise tag in his contract. So now the ball is in Dak Prescott's court. Play his game. That that's right. Look, we all remember, because we covered it at great length here, when Emmett went through – Emmett, we're about to get to Emmett Smith. When Dak Prescott went through his previous contract struggles getting a deal done with the Cowboys. In the end, he won so convincingly. I mean, as Harry just said, he didn't, he didn't win that one by decision. He won that one by knockout. He has a no-trade clause. He has a no-franchise tag. He has almost $60 million guaranteed dollars against the cap next season. So he basically controls the Cowboys. And they are a team in some degree of turmoil. And their most legendary star knows it. Emmett Smith, if you haven't seen these comments, he had very strong words about the current state of the Cowboys. And D. Wood was very fired up about them earlier uh, when we played them this morning. He said, I'm tired of being sold on what the Cowboys could be. I'm tired. I've had enough of it because I'm more about what the Cowboys really are and who we really are and who we were. Nobody wants to fight no more. Nobody wants to fight hard anymore. They want to say, oh, we're the Cowboys. Tell me how good I am. Check out my Instagram posts. See me on my podcast. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm everything without doing anything. And everybody's patting them on the back. People want to give them so much without doing nothing. And what they're living off of is what happened in the past, not what's going down right now. D. Wood, what do you make of what Emmett Smith is saying about this collection of Cowboys? He's absolutely right, Greeny. He's absolutely right. Like, listen. When we talk about the Dallas Cowboys, everything is almost like in relation to the Cowboys of the 90s. Those Cowboys won three championships. That was a dynasty. These Cowboys, they haven't, they haven't achieved anything. They're a good football team. I give them that. They're a good football team. But they haven't done anything. They haven't done absolutely anything to warrant for us to talk about the Dallas Cowboys the way we talk about them. Okay? Listen, I'm not against people going out there and doing podcasts and doing – great. All that, it's all good. But when you haven't accomplished anything, when you haven't won anything, it leaves you open for this type of criticism. And you're hearing it from one of their legendary players because he knows what he had to sacrifice in order to get to the status that he got to. Is he seeing the same sacrifice from the current set of Dallas Cowboys? 
I think that's what Emmitt Smith is really talking about right now. I do, too. And this is a really interesting. So, Tim, let's, let's really let, – let's put all the nonsense aside and let's dive into it. There are – when you come into the National Football League and you play well, you become a star. When you come to the Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys and you play well, you become a celebrity. And there's a big difference between being a star and being a celebrity. So Micah Parsons and C.D. Lamb, who are young players, this is not a knock on them. In fact, it, it, th- this is not because of them. They've come in, they've played great, and they've become celebrities disproportionate to what their accomplishments have been. The real question, Tim, is do you think that has anything to do with the Cowboys' lack of getting to the next level? They have won games. They don't get out of the first round of the playoffs. They looked awful in their game against Green Bay this year. The the stuff Emmett is talking about, the, oh, look at my Instagram, look at my podcast. Do you think that is part of the reason this team hasn't gone farther in the playoffs? I think there is an element of the, the, the microscope, the scrutiny, the spotlight, whatever you want to call it. That, that can get to certain guys. I would just say this, like, you know, Emmett's, you know, kind of talking about that, but, like, I really don't know that it's necessarily directed at C.D. or Micah or uh, Dak Prescott, for that matter. Remember, a team's not made up of just three guys. It's maybe the other guys that are on the team that they think they are celebrities, and they haven't had a 100-catch season like, you know, C.D. Lamb has. They haven't, you know, been one of the best and most dominant defensive players uh, like Micah Parsons has been. They haven't been, uh, you know, superstar quarterback the way Dak Prescott has been. And so, like, I do think in some ways, like, Emmett saying it doesn't mean that it's directly related to Dallas's star players. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it could also be directed at, like, the other guys on the football team that think they're stars that – they haven't really played well. So I, I do believe that there's an element of, look, because you're not winning, we're going to focus on some of the stuff that's going on at every other team, including teams that do win. So, yeah, look, I think a bigger probably piece of it for me would be, like, know what to say, when to say it, because we've seen kind of in the Super Bowl week, guys maybe not representing the star and what you want them to represent the right way. Yeah, I think that's fair. Harry, how about it? Yeah, I think also when it all boils down, the the best players on the football team in the biggest moments, they have to make the plays. That's what we've seen from Troy Aikman. That's what we've seen from Emmitt Smith. That's what we've seen from Darren Woodson. That's what we've seen from Michael Irvin. That's what we've seen from the best players of the Dallas Cowboys from the past. Now you move to the future. We have not seen that from the best players across the board in the biggest moments, which is the playoffs, make the plays necessary to put their team over the hump. So, so that, that's fair. And, and Troy said it in an interview recently. I, I forget exactly when, like a month ago or so, he said, fair or unfair, the players, and particularly the quarterbacks, are going to be remembered for whether they won or they lost. I mean, Troy Aikman's career is defined more than anything by the fact that he won three championships. Yep. And until these guys win something, their career is going to be defined, fairly or unfairly, more for what they haven't done than what they do do. And, and so very quickly, just to go back, I mean, Harry began this conversation by saying maybe the best thing for Dak would be to be out of there. I mean, Tim, th- that's a, it's a fascinating situation. We've talked at length about how he has all the leverage in the world going into this situation. If you were in his shoes, what do you think you would want? Look, I think you want to stay the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And, and he had a great year with Mike McCarthy running the offense. And so, like, I think if you're Dak, you want to be there. You're going to make a, a ton of money once again. Look, the Cowboys should have to pay for the fact that 
you know, they've made, they've made you be patient this entire time through these contract, um, you know, processes where he was hitting certain benchmarks to, to get to this point. So, look, that's what you should want to do if you're Dak. I would just say this, like, we even just had the graphic up, like, you know, the star players, family members have been critical of the team's lack of success. Like, I, like to me, I, I think part of the issue ends up being, and it, like, all the other nonsense isn't necessarily guys doing podcasts. Travis Kelsey's doing podcasts, but Travis Kelsey's mom isn't ripping Patrick Mahomes. So I, I think sometimes, like, the outside noise is, is the, the stuff that, like, like maybe squash that stuff. That isn't necessarily a team culture dynamic. That's like a relative culture dynamic. Can you imagine that storyline? Donna Kelsey has called out Patrick Mahomes. That's a headline I'm dying to do one day. But, but all kidding aside, say what you will about this. The Kansas City Chiefs absorbed what has to be as, as significant a distraction as you could possibly have. They essentially took the world's biggest mega celebrity and incorporated her into their team, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, for the last year, and still won the Super Bowl. So this, this stuff, Tim, this stuff can be overcome if you do it right. Yeah, and so I think if you think about it, the Hunt family is kind of doesn't appear, you know, to be leading the way in that type of stuff. Who is? Andy is. Andy's like, right. hey, you know, he makes fun of it. I, I knew her before before Travis knew her. That's how he handled it. In Dallas, the head coach isn't leading the way through it. In Dallas, Jerry Jones is leading the way through all of that type of stuff. It needs to start there. So when a player's family member says something about someone on the team, the owner who's in charge on this needs to lead the way and go in and say, hey, like you got to knock it off. Otherwise, like we're going to silence everybody on this. And, and at least to our knowledge, there doesn't seem to be a lot of that going on. All right, we'll take a break. Coming up, after the 49ers collapse in the Super Bowl, they've decided they know whose fault it is uh, as they have made a firing here. So was this a scapegoat kind of move? We'll talk about that in just a moment. Plus, the Warriors made a big push for LeBron at the deadline. Did LeBron make a mistake not joining forces with Steph and the Warriors? We'll talk about that right after this. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Dell Tech Fest starts now. To thank you for 40 unforgettable years, Dell Technologies is celebrating with anniversary savings on their most popular tech. 
For a limited time only, save on select next-gen PCs like the XPS 13 Plus, where you can make the everyday easier with Windows 11. Unleash more possibilities with cutting-edge systems, their most advanced features, and great prices. Plus, curate your dream setup with deals on select monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at dell.com deals, you'll have access to state-of-the-art technology to match your forward-thinking spirit and free shipping on everything. Anniversary savings await you for a limited time only at dell.com slash deals. That's dell.com slash deals. We are back on Get Up. The next game is called Fill in the Blank. All right, Tim Hasselbeck, here we go. The Chiefs 2024 season will end with what? Another Super Bowl championship, and <laughs> I'm saying that because like, I think we're just at the point now, a little bit like we maybe got to in New England with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to say like, all right, the field or these guys, and I think it may be a, sef- uh, a safer bet to take these guys when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback and Andy Reid is your head coach. And that's reasonable. Why, why would you bet against them? after what we just saw them do. Meanwhile, D. Wood, then the biggest challenger to Patrick Mahomes is who? Joe Burrow. Mm. Joe Burrow is the, is the one guy that is, like, literally unafraid of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. He's gone in the Arrowhead and beaten Patrick Mahomes multiple times and in the, in, the, in the AFC Championship game to go on to the Super Bowl. I mean, this dude is, like, his blood pressure doesn't seem to go up at all. His only thing, he's just got to stay healthy. But when he's healthy... He's that guy. Are we worried about his thumb? I, I, I feel like I'm hearing whispers that we're worried about his thumb. Let's keep a close eye on that injury. It's not a good injury for a quarterback to have, obviously. Meanwhile, Harry, finish this. The 49ers firing their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, as they did yesterday, is what? Shocking and also mind-blowing. I didn't see this one coming. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, if you felt like he wasn't, from a schematic standpoint, the guy for your football team, I thought you would have known that during the interview process before I hired him as a defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, that was for, for the, if you're wondering why is Harry bringing that up, it's because that's what was suggested yesterday that, well, the previous defensive coordinators, Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans, both of whom parlayed their success there into head coaching jobs, um, ran one basic style of defense, and Steve Wilkes generally is a little bit different. But we showed you some numbers earlier, and we can show them to you again. I mean, the numbers that the 49er defense put on the field this year were better than the ones they had put up the previous season when D'Amico Ryans is their defensive coordinator. That is what it is. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to let him keep his job. At the end of the day, though, Tim, it just has a feeling of a scapegoating. And, and, and whether they intend it that way or not, it's yeah. almost impossible not to come out of a Super Bowl that your team loses and then three days later you fire the defensive coordinator. I can show you the numbers quickly. Here they are. I mean, that those are the numbers on the left. D'Amico Ryans, the two previous seasons. The, the column on the right is just definitively better. D'Amico Ryans became the head coach of the Texans and Steve Wilkes just got fired yesterday. There's an element of this, Tim, that feels like he's being made a scapegoat whether they intend it to look that way or not. Yeah, and, and honestly, if they intend to make it look that way, then all anybody has to do is open their eyes a little bit and look at that full screen you just showed, look at the production of the defense, watch that football game to say, like, 
Steve Wilk's not the reason that the Niners lost the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody with half a brain believes that that's the case. And so, look, to me, this doesn't make much sense. Feels like it has to be a personality thing more than anything else. And I think the really tough part about this for Steve Wilkes is that, look, he just coordinated a defense that did a very good job in a Super Bowl game and really had done a good job all season long. And the hiring cycle for positions like the one he's been relieved of aren't available right now. And so for that, the Niners put him in a really tough spot. Absolutely. Look, let's just go over what happened in the Super Bowl the other day. His defense held Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to one touchdown in regulation. That one touchdown came immediately after the botched, it's not really a muffed punt, whatever you want to call it, the ball hits off the foot. Outside of that, Kansas City did nothing but kick field goals. The 49ers did that despite the fact that one of their most important players on that defense tore his Achilles running onto the field in the first half of that game. They run out of gas in the second half. The head coach, meanwhile, is the one who makes the unimaginably terrible decision to take the ball first in overtime. He's the one who doesn't use his timeouts at the end of the second quarter, which also doesn't make any sense at all. He, Steve Wilkes is not calling the offensive plays at the beginning of the third quarter when they had every opportunity to put the game away. Kyle Shanahan went a lot farther. Look, I'm a bit, I respect Kyle Shanahan as a coach greatly. He's a terrific coach, but he had a very bad day on Sunday. Much, much, much worse than his defensive coordinator did. Yeah, listen, I think there's just been a lack of accountability as it relates to Kyle Shanahan. Listen, you know, the last time they were in the Super Bowl, double-digit double mm -hmm. lead against, against Kansas City, yep. lost. This time around, they had the lead, lost again. Five all-pros on offense, plus your, your quarterback was tremendous. Brandon Ayuk was, you know, 1,300-plus yard receiver on offense. So you had all this firepower. And what happened to them offensively? So as much as, you know, that's the thing that's just so befuddling about the situation. The defense did its job. Where was the offense in, mm -hmm. this, in the Super Bowl? And I just say, again, the lack of accountability of Kyle Shanahan in these big moments kind of reminds me of Andy Reid um, from Philadelphia. Yeah, in the early days, Andy Reid in Philly, I guess the entirety of his time in Philly, he was known for getting the horse to water and not being able to get it to drink, and that is sort of the way that Kyle Shanahan is perceived now. But, Harry, I mean, the reality is the the – the, 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 the threat of commonality of all of these blown leads is that his team is always winning going into the fourth quarter and they always get blown out there. And that's not about the defense or certainly not exclusively about the defense. It is about the play calling on the offensive side that contributes to it. It happened in the 28-3 Super Bowl. It happened in this game for sure against Kansas City. That, that, that to me is definitely, if you're asking me, how did they lose this game? That's how they lost this game. Well, also, Greeny, I would mention the first Super Bowl versus the Kansas City Chiefs where you had a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter. That's after a Patrick Mahomes interception, right? But if you look at this game, you come, you come out uh, the, the first drive of the third quarter, your defense gets you an interception, and you get the ball at the 44-yard line, and the San Francisco 49ers can't even get three points. They scored zero points off of the two turnovers that they were able to get. Also, is it Steve Wilkes' fault? From a protection standpoint, right, when you decided to motion, what Steve Spagnola decided he was going to do is at times they were going to have free runners and blitzers and the protection wasn't right. 
So all these things combined together with Christian McCaffrey fumbling, Jake Moody missing an extra point, because if that extra point is made, maybe we're talking about a different situation at the end of, mm -hmm. in the regulation, and the Kansas City Chiefs can't kick a field goal. They have to go for a touchdown on a final play. Do the San Francisco 49ers, do they win it on that final play or not? So all these things factor into the 49ers losing that game. I just can't see this one being on Steve Wilkes. Absolutely. Steve Spagnuolo outcoached Kyle Shanahan late in the Super Bowl, and Kyle Shanahan fired his defensive coordinator three days later. We continue in a moment. The offseason pressure cooker is heating up, so we'll go over the five teams that must win this offseason this year. Where is the pressure? That debate is just getting started up. Plus, Steph and LeBron on the same team. Oh, it could have happened. Did LeBron make a mistake staying in L.A.? We'll dive into that with Zach Lowe, but first... We'll put him to the test. Here we go, Zach Lowe from Sneaky Hembo. LeBron James has the most all-NBA selections among active players with 19. Which active player has the second most all-NBA selections? The answer is next. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right, we're back, bottom of the hour. There's a lot. Everyone in the studio is throwing guesses around everywhere. Damian Woody is racking his brain. This is a good question from Hembo, Zach. So LeBron James, it's actually the all-time record. In 19 all-NBA selections, more than any player in history. Among active players, Zach, who has the next most? So it can't be Steph Curry or else Hembo wouldn't be asking the question. 
Then I started racking my brain thinking of names. And you know who we forgot about because he's been injured? Because he's a bench player right now? The point god, Chris Paul, has been in the league forever. Lots of all NBA selections are going, Chris Paul. That's right. He got it. (laughs) That is so good. That is so good. I was sure it was Kevin Durant. There was no way it was going to be Steph because that wouldn't be sneaky. So Kevin Durant has 10. Steph Curry, 9. Russell Westbrook, 9. Chris Paul, 11. Way to go, Zach Lowe. All right. Score that one. A win for humanity. Uh, Anytime Hembo loses, I'm happy. Okay. Let's run the floor with a bunch of other stuff around the NBA here. Monica McNutt is up early with us from Indianapolis this morning in the All-Star Game. Monica, who was the biggest threat to the Celtics in the East? The Knicks, the Bucks, or the 76ers? All right, Greeny, so I know you can't answer this question without considering health, but even if Joel Embiid does get healthy, I think he's going to need some time to get back to MVP form. For me, it is the Knicks if they are healthy. They are the deepest of the teams that you just mentioned. They've got scoring off the bench, and they've got a tremendous defense all around. Do you agree with that, Zach? I got to see it before I anoint the Knicks. I think I like her reasoning, but right now I'm going to default to Giannis and the Bucks, despite their raggedy season. Yeah, it, it's been an up-and-down year. The addition of Doc there, they started to play a little bit better. We'll see who's healthy when we get to the end of the year. I think a lot of people are hoping Monica is right, but we'll find out. Zach, next question is for you. If you're starting a franchise today and I give you either Wembenyama or Doncic to start it with, who are you taking? Well, look, the real answer is I'll take either and be the most excited person in the world. But if you're making me answer this question, you're hurting my soul. I'm just going to take the younger guy who's under contract for longer, who does like 10 preposterous things on both ends of the floor every day. Give me Wemby and I'll figure it out from there. Now, Wemby dominant on both ends of the floor. How about you, Monica? I actually was going to go Doncic because the position is clear. He orchestrates everybody else. As exciting as Wimby is, I still think there's a lot to figure out around him. I think you hit quicker if you go Luka Doncic, as we've seen. I could watch that pass on a loop for the rest of time. Seriously, right? We'll go to you on this one here. The Lakers and the Warriors, we had the story yesterday about the possibility of LeBron and Steph maybe having teamed up. Which one is a more legitimate title chance right now, the Lakers or the Warriors? I got to go Lakers. Greeny, we started the show in, what, late October when the season started. And the Mm -hmm. thing that still sticks out to me is that the Warriors are small. Now, small ball worked for them for years. They've got four championships. But I think if you look at the contenders in the West, size is a problem. So let's talk about the Lakers for a minute here. We we talked about the LeBron and Steph teaming up thing earlier. And... Like, as, as much as we can fantasize about how much fun it might have been and everyone yelled at me saying they thought it was a bad idea except for Monica, well, all that aside, the Lakers, there was a moment in time not that long ago, uh, Zach, that we had a play – no, not a play-in, excuse me. We had the in-season tournament, and the Lakers won it. And we were thinking, wow, this is a really good team. And then they went through about a six-week stretch there where suddenly we thought, wow, they're not a good team at all. Now they've gotten hot <laughs> – as they didn't make the moves at the trade deadline that we thought they might. We'll see. They've gotten hot here going into the All-Star break. Like, could we be living in a world when we get to April where we say, you know what? The Lakers have kind of figured this thing out, and they've got a real shot to do something this spring. 
Well, the first thing they're going to have to do is get out of the play-in tournament, and that's hard in itself, and it's pretty unlikely that they get to the sixth seed. So their road is going to be pretty difficult. The West is better at the top than it was last season when they made their run. I'll never close the door on LeBron and Anthony Davis, but what happened last night with the Warriors is a reminder of how hard it is, how great you have to be to make an actual long, deep playoff run. The in-season tournament is awesome. They were amazing, credit to them, but that's one game, then a week later, one game, then a week later, one game. Consistency is what you need. Consistent elite play over weeks and months to get where the Lakers want to go, where the Warriors want to go. And neither of those teams has demonstrated the ability to do that. One game, two games, fine. Their ceilings are that high. But to beat those kind of teams that are sitting at the top of the Western Conference four times, then beat another team four times, neither team has a record that has demonstrated that capability yet. And it's that every other day rhythm. If there's one thing I learned or, or had reinforced, Monica, as I was hosting the shows for the last two years, it's just what a grind it becomes when we get there. There's this misnomer now. Oh, team, the playoffs, it gets easier because you have – it does not get easier. It, it was tiring just traveling with them, and I wasn't even playing. <laughs> so That part, Greeny. I, I, was, I was exhausted by the time it was over, and I wasn't even out there. But, but, but I'll, I'll give you the same basic question here, Monica – I have a funny feeling LeBron and the Lakers are going to be heard from again by the time we get to April. Am I am I just fantasizing about something that isn't real? I don't think so, Greeny, but it's how long will we be heard from them, similar to what Zach said. This is a team that could still win in the play, and this is a team that could create some havoc in their first-round series. But beyond that, we've seen over the last couple of seasons, to your point, that the consistency in a series is not necessarily there for the Lakers. For as exciting as it was for them to make that push last year, we still ended up debating whether or not Anthony Davis was locked in every other game in that series, right? And so largely, with this team not making very many changes, you could see the same sort of questions coming back. And so I just think that they have savvy, they have know-how, but the teams at the top of the West are so good. And I don't know that that will account for the talent and the schemes on both sides of the ball that you have when you look at those top teams for as good as they've been in february the one game that they lost it was to the denver nuggets i mean there's yeah. a reason that happened well look and while we're sitting here and we're basically talking about the two defining stars of their generation i mean the question is about windows being open lebron ad let's see what they can figure out golden state has a different feel to it um zach when, when steve kerr said last year our team maxed out by making it to the second round. I don't know that there's anything I see in them right now, you correct me if I'm wrong, that suggests that their maximum, their ceiling should be significantly higher this year. Is the window for these Warriors, as we have known and loved them over the last decade or so, is that closed? It's, it's like open this much with the hope that in the offseason, with a change, with Kaminga and Pajemski getting even better, it can open this much. But look, again, consistency. The Warriors have found their identity again with Draymond Green at center. The young guys are contributing. On the right nights, the ball's flying around. It looks like the Warriors of old. And then the Clippers come to town without Kawhi Leonard and come back and beat them. And you remember, Kaminga's young. Pajemski's young. Klay Thompson, bad game last night. Andrew Wiggins, bad game last night. It's been the story of the season. They have not been able to find a consistent gear against the very best teams over and over again. And they're 500 now. That's what they are. They can go on a heater for a week, 
a month even. But to go deep in the playoffs, they just need to hit that gear much more consistently than they've been. So right now, I'll just go like this with the window out of respect to Steph Curry. All right, so let me bring Harry Douglas and, and D. Wood back into the conversation here because for those who weren't with us an hour ago, now let's just have a little bit of fun. If we're saying that Steph Curry and the window in, in Golden State is only this much open, then we're saying maybe we're, we've seen the last of this legendary player, maybe the most beloved superstar in NBA history, and then LeBron, who is on the, you know, the Mount Rushmore of greatest players of all time, Woj and Ramona gave us the answer to this yesterday, right? Let them team up next year. I say let's do it and enjoy watching it just once. Harry Douglas, what do you say to that? Hell to the gnaw, yeah. <laughs> I do not want to see that, Greeny. I don't want to see it. I love that we have two guys that are major pillars in basketball history, right? Not just of the last five years, ten years, but the history of the NBA. I do not want to see those two guys play against each other. You see LeBron right there talking smack to Steph Curry. Steph Curry's got the best of LeBron. LeBron's got the best of Steph Curry. I love that competition. Man, we had Gary Payton on ESPN Radio yesterday on Freddie and Harry, and I, and, and I drove it out of him. I said, I know you're a competitor. He said, yeah, man, I don't want to see it. I would have never teamed up with Michael Jordan. I'm trying to go at Michael Jordan. So I'm gonna say, I feel the same way when it comes to uh, uh, these two superstars in the NBA. I want to see these guys compete at the highest level versus one another. Uh, I don't want to see them join forces and create something crazy. I really don't. I get it. I hear it. But they met, they're not going to compete at the highest level, D-Wood. That's the days of them meeting in a conference final. I, these experts that we have on here are telling us that those days are behind us. D-Wood, let see them join forces like like the you know the marvel uh, let, let, let's let them get together <laughs> superheroes what do you think some old ass superheroes that, we, that, that those guys would join, <laughs> yes. join together the like, avengers yeah they are they are avengers these would be avengers towards the end of their career you know get robert downey in here and then whoever we want and, and let's get steph and, and lebron together one last avenger like run so, like so it'd be steph lebron and then who else because the team would be dismantled like, like even if you even if that happened even if that happened what kind of team would you have around both of those guys we would just yeah, like we would just be wanting to see it just to see it. Like, would that team even be competitive as far as the Denver Nuggets and yes. the Los Angeles Clippers? Yes. You, uh, Steph, LeBron, you, me, and Zach could be competitive against anybody we want. <laughs> Zach, oh, you like it or not? I don't think the, that team you just outlined would have much of a chance, frankly. My vertical <laughs> isn't what it used to be. And Steph and LeBron are approaching a combined age of 80 years old. Like, that's where we're getting to. So, look, what team would they have around them is the question. Would it be fun? Sure, it would be fun. But, man, I was at all those finals, four finals in a row. I was at the game in Cleveland when LeBron blocked Steph Curry in the 2016 finals in game six and sneered over him. I was at all those games. I love the fact that they've been circling each other all this time. Let's circle each other in California on different teams for the next couple of years. Monica, you're my last hope. Greeny, I actually don't hate it. I'm with you. Like, as separate entities, <laughs> meh, in terms of their opportunity. But for what this would mean historically, now, I do agree with Woody and Lowe. You got to figure out what the rest of that team looks like for sure. But this idea, we get it for like a season, maybe two. Like, all right, whatever. 
Let's do it. Let's see it. Let's make it happen. Have their people call my people. I'll do everything in my power. All right, coming up. We are 25 days until the start of NFL free agency. I have the definitive list of the five teams that absolutely have to get it right next month or they will have no chance. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We are back on Get Up and with the offseason upon us. Let's do some bold predictions. All right, D-Wood, let me hear you. What's your offseason bold prediction? 2024 will be Dak Prescott's last season with the Cowboys. Yeah, listen, you see all the the chatter with all the family members talking about Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott contract situation looms large, you know, in this this whole equation here. So, listen, Dak might look at everything and survey the landscape and say, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to take my talent somewhere else where I'm more appreciated. A lot of people looking at it that way. I like it. Harry, yours is also Cowboys-focused. Give me a bold prediction. Yeah, that Jerry Jones is going to sign Derrick Henry in the offseason. We talk about a guy five of the last six years over 1,000 yards. The one year he didn't, he only played eight games and still had 937 yards and 10 touchdowns. He is not slowing down anytime soon. He's going to be an enforcer that the Dallas Cowboys actually need to provide balance for that offense. You don't need to tell me this one twice. I love it. Tim, give me a bold prediction. Well, listen, Greeny, you had such an exciting offseason last year with all of the Aaron Rodgers talk. I think it's only fair that you get more excitement this offseason. A trade for Devontae Adams from the Raiders to the Jets because they're even more all-in with Aaron Rodgers coming back off of that Achilles injury. Oh, you're singing my song. Now you are singing my song. Let, let, let him and Garrett fight it out for who gets to wear number 17. I'm all in, all in. And that actually brings me perfectly to today's green list. So I give you one every single day. Today's, with the, with the free agency period beginning just a little more than three weeks from now, these are the teams, the five teams with the most pressure to get it done in March or they will have no chance starting in September. And number five, I'm putting the Buffalo Bills. They've got the quarterback, but the question that came from last year was, was that their best chance in this iteration? 
They're going to have to rebuild around Josh Allen at some point. Does that have to start now? If they want to still have a Super Bowl caliber team, they have Stephon Diggs decisions to make. They have a bunch of defensive decisions to make. This is a colossal offseason in Buffalo if they're going to give this group one more run. At number four, you just heard D. Wood talking a lot about the Cowboys. Dak Prescott has them directly over a barrel. Here's the barrel. Here are the Cowboys. That's where Dak has them with his contract, with his no trade, with his no franchise tag. He decides what happens for them. If they don't play that thing right, they will have no chance of going any farther last year or next year than they did any of the previous. At number three, I'm going to put the Pittsburgh Steelers because I think the expectation there is to start moving it forward. They don't win playoff games. They win regular season games. They don't win playoff games. And the reason is they haven't had a quarterback since Ben Roethlisberger was in his prime. Can they get that right? Is it Justin Fields? Is it Russell Wilson? Is it a draft pick? They take somebody at number 20. That is a colossal decision at Pittsburgh. It could easily determine what their near-term future looks like, including the future of their legendary coach. And number two, Tim was just talking about the Jets. The Jets have to get it right in and around Aaron Rodgers. At this point, the only thing we can say is they never got a chance to see what Rodgers could have done for them. And if they don't get that offensive line fixed, and I mean thoroughly fixed, they'll never see it. And if this coming season goes south, that'll be it for Rodgers. That'll be it for Salah. That'll be it for everybody. The Jets have to get this problem solved in March. But then number one, look, the Chicago Bears own the NFL draft. Assuming they trade Justin Fields, which everyone thinks they're going to, they will have more picks in the first two rounds than practically any team we've seen in recent years. And the assumption is they will take a quarterback at number one, most likely Caleb Williams. That means that the scrutiny on how Williams plays relative to how Justin Fields plays wherever he winds up will also be enormous. Are we living in a world where we don't think it's possible that Justin Fields winds up having a better career from this point forward in Atlanta or Pittsburgh or somewhere else than Caleb Williams does in Chicago? That certainly doesn't feel impossible to me. And thus, that is enormous pressure on the Chicago Bears. Those are the five teams. Again, they all have different issues. They all come at it from different ways. But Tim Hasselbeck, to me, those are the five teams that if they don't get it right, about three and a half weeks from now, they don't have any chance when we get to the fall. Yeah, I would just say, look, I think you have a really good list, and I think it's hard to argue anybody off of it. That being said, I look at Pittsburgh. Look, I think Pittsburgh kind of has a lot of options. Like, they could sit there with Kenny Pickett. They could get Ryan Tannehill. Maybe it is Justin Fields. People already putting Russell Wilson there. Like, I think there are, end up being options there. They've already made a change at offensive coordinator. Nobody questions they have to get it right. Like Mike I, I, Tomlin. I, I feel like you're making my yeah. point for me, Tim. They've got to get that right. There was talk. Look, we all understand. I know that the fans don't get to make these decisions, particularly in an organization as stable as the Steelers have historically been. But this felt for the first time like the end of the Mike Tomlin tenure might be in the foreseeable future. And if they don't get the quarterback thing right, then they might wind up changing coaches, which is something they do like once every mm. 20 years. I think they could win six games and he's back if he wants to. I don't think mm. that Mike Tomlin is under that type of pressure at all because of the track record of success. Now, listen, look, they, they want to be good. They're not happy with being over 500, which has kind of been their story. So, like, I, I'm not saying that you're crazy to have them on there. I just, like, to me, I would put a team like the Patriots on that list before them. They just parted ways with an all-time great coach. And 
look, they've kind of forced Gerard May to keep a lot of the people that were still there. Are they going to be any better? I don't know. They've got a big question at quarterback. Interesting. Harry, you want to jump in here? Go. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out why the Philadelphia Eagles is not on this list. We just seen them replace both coordinators. Also, the running back position, their running backs are free agents. Defensively, they need linebackers. They need a nickel corner. They need safeties. They have a lot of questions still, I think, amongst their football team. This is the same team that started 10-1 that had a complete collapse at the end of the season, losing six of the last seven games, including the playoffs. So I would put the Philadelphia Eagles on this list as well. I think that their pressure starts in September, Harry. I don't, I don't think their problem is as much personnel and getting those decisions right as it is whether the chemistry there had, has just been irreparably broken, and I don't think anything they do in the next two months tell us the answer to that. We'll have to figure out in the fall. We didn't talk about the Jets in all of this. I was about to. And, D. Wood, that's your, your area of expertise is that offensive line. Yeah, I like, the, the thing I like about your list is the top two teams because they're, they're there for two different reasons. The, for the Jets, it's the immediacy of – Yet we got to get something done because our guy Aaron Rodgers doesn't have much time left, okay? And we all know the problems with the Jets. It's the offensive line, the offensive line, the offensive line. They have the de- they have a championship-worthy defense. They have weapons on, on offense. But if you can't protect the quarterback, you have no shot. And Aaron, you can't waste Aaron Rodgers' window right now. So the Jets are absolutely in that position. And the Chicago Bears, this is more about – if we make the right move, we're setting ourselves up for a decade plus. Yeah. You know, that's really the situation with the Bears at the quarterback. Let position. me very quickly, asking for a friend on the Jets here. Can you rebuild an entire offensive line in one offseason? They may need four players on that offensive line. Can they rebuild an entire – is it possible to rebuild an offensive line in one it's offseason? It's tough, but I'm going to say yes because the offensive line, this is about as deep as a, you know offensive line draft that it we've is. seen in quite some time. Yep. So they'll have plenty of players and opportunities to rebuild this offensive Including line. Including one at number 10. There should be a big bookend tackle sitting there available for them. All right, we have more to do here, and then first take will take over. The Lakers got a big win without LeBron last night. Have they finally found their identity? You'll hear from Stephen A. and Molly and Monica McNutt and more. Top of the hour here on ESPN. Hey, this weekend, MetLife Stadium will host the NHL's next two outdoor games on ABC and ESPN+. Plus. The Stadium Series, Saturday Flyers-Devils, Sunday Rangers-Islanders. If you are in attendance, you might be fortunate enough to see Damian Woody. Yeah. Woody, yeah. Which day are you going? You going Sunday? Yeah, I'm going to Sunday. The Rangers-Islanders, uh, uh, myself, Saquon, Barkley, and... Uh... Uh, DeVito, the quarterback from uh, Tommy Detroit. DeVito. Tommy DeVito, yeah. Now that is yeah. some star power. Yeah. That should yeah. be some fun, and you can see all the action with us here. Outstanding day. Thanks for getting up. We'll see you tomorrow. First take starts now. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.